Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. so heavenly there and we're so grateful for that 
and I was listening to that piece and uh, the dissonance in the, in the middle. It's kind of like life. You know? Life is, is very beautiful, but then we can go through some very dark days, if you will, some very trying and difficult times, some confusing periods in our lives. But as a Christian, in the end, we're going to spend eternity in that beautiful celestial home. Amen. Amen. Where there will be no sorrow, no pain, nor crying, and no separation. Amen. Amen. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22. received an email this uh, week from um, Ken Knudsen. He, he sends me uh, uh, emails on a regular basis and some interesting uh, reads. And uh, I thought that I would share this one because uh, tomorrow we remember those who served in our armed forces throughout the years the history of our country fighting for, for freedom and who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus put it this way, greater love has no man than this, but that a man or a woman, a person, lay down their lives for their friends. And uh, while our country uh, has, uh, as some would say, a checkered past, so to speak, yet uh, in, that, in that past and in its present, it is a country that the Lord has blessed and has used to bless the rest of the world. But as Christians, we should not sit on our laurels, as they say, because there is a, a war that is being waged against America and against uh, Christians. And let me go ahead and, and read this, because it, um, it really heightens what is going on in our world today. The subject is the Holocaust. When I was a kid, I couldn't understand why Eisenhower was so popular. Maybe this will explain why General Eisenhower warned us. It is a matter of history that when the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces, General Dwight Eisenhower, found the victims of the death camps he ordered all possible photographs to be taken and for the German people from surrounding villages to be ushered through the camps and even made to bury the dead. He did this because, he said in words to this effect, get it all on record now. Get the films, get the witnesses, because somewhere down the road of history, some individual will get up and say, that this never happened. This week, this week, the UK debated whether to remove the Holocaust from its school curriculum because it offends the Muslim population, which claims it never happened. It is not removed as yet. However, this is a frightening portent of the fear that is gripping the world and how easily each country is giving in to it. 
It is now more than 70 years after the Second World War in Europe ended. This email is being sent as a memorial chain in memory of the 6 million Jews, 20 million Russians, 10 million Christians, and 1,900 Catholic priests who were murdered, raped, burned, starved, beaten, experimented on, and humiliated, while many in the world looked the other way. Now more than ever with Iran, among others, claiming that the Holocaust is a myth, it is imperative to make sure the world never forgets. How many years will it be before the attack on the World Trade Center never happens? Because it offends Muslims. Remember when all classrooms had an American flag in them? Do they even teach our children about the World Trade Center attacks in 1993 and 2001? Or did it go the way of Pearl Harbor and Veterans Day? And don't even mention Christmas or Hanukkah or prayers in school. Many schools no longer recite the Pledge of Allegiance, and many children do not know the words to our national anthem or that we even have one. Let those words sink in, because there is a war that is being raised. And we, as God's children and citizens of the United States of America, need to be aware. And so with that, let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. Jesus evaluates outer actions in light of inner motives. Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare ask him a question anymore. When Jesus spoke to the multitudes, to his disciples, or rather, then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one finger or one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. 
And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore he who swears by the altar swears by it, and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it, and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt, serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar, Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray.
Our Father in God, we come to you again in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we acknowledge that you alone are our Father, our Creator, our God. And as the scripture teaches, you are the one who created us. You made us, O Lord, fashioned us in your image. As we study your word, we pray, O Lord, teach us by your Holy Spirit to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus deals with the Pharisees. Now, over the last several weeks, we looked at uh, several passages where they, they asked him questions. And so after they stopped asking him questions, he asked them a couple of questions. He says, so uh, what do you think about the Christ? And have you ever asked anyone that question? What do you think about Jesus? What's your view? What's your opinion? What's your perspective? And then he added a second. Whose son is he? Because, you know, they were trying to entrap him, right? In all of these situations where they asked him questions, they were attempting to entrap him, to trick him, as it were, so that they could then accuse him of certain things. Ah, but he was far too wise for that. And, of course, you cannot entrap or trick God. You can't do it. And you know, there are people who think that they can actually back God into a corner, you know. You can't do that. You can't do that. But they quickly responded, the son of David. The son of David. And so then the Lord... He then questions them again. Well, how is it that David calls him Lord if he's his son? And it's very interesting because Jesus is actually quoting the book of Psalms. Psalm 110, verse 1, where David says, And the Lord said unto my Lord. And the word that he uses there is the word Adonai. In the Hebrew, Adonai is the word translated into English, Lord, and it is with respect to God, the Lord. You see, the Pharisees, as well as the other religious leaders, they all knew that the Messiah was the actual Son of God, that he would be God in the flesh. They just did not want to acknowledge that Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah. And so Jesus presents this, this question. So how does David then call him Lord if he's his son? And notice, they couldn't answer. And they refused to answer. Because the answer would be to acknowledge that the Messiah is God's son and also a human. You see, Jesus is fully human and fully God. Beyond our understanding, completely beyond our understanding. How can he be fully man and fully God? But he is. And so, after that, they would not ask him any more questions. 
And so what does Jesus do? He turns to his disciples and to the multitude of people because this occurred in the temple, see? Jesus was in there when they were asking him questions and he posed this question or these questions to them. So all these people, the multitude and the disciples were around and he began to teach. And oh, what a scathing sermon. How would you feel if your particular group were pointed out, like he pointed these folks out, said a few things and then said, hypocrites. And notice he didn't say it just one time. And I've shared with you oftentimes how that uh, when, when inviting someone to church and, and they, because many people will do this, they'll say, well, I used to go to church, you know, a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. But I learned that they're just a bunch of hypocrites down there. <laughs> and so my response is always, well, then you fit right in. <laughs> you know, and at first they let me. <laughs> I say, but isn't it true? Isn't it true that we are all hypocrites? And if you're sitting out there today, you say, oh, no, not me. Yes, you are. <laughs> because we all say one thing and do another. Or we'll do something and say something else. That's the truth of it. Oh, we don't like to admit it, but that is true. And so Jesus, he begins to teach the multitudes and the disciples. And notice what he says. He says, they sit in Moses' seat. What does he mean by that? They have the authority. They are the religious leaders. And to their credit, to their credit, the Pharisees taught the law, the Torah. They knew the Torah. And they taught the Torah. They preached the Torah, the law, the first five books. Torah is the, is the, the Hebrew word referring to the, the five books of Moses. The writing, the instruction, or the law. In Greek, we refer to it as the Pentateuch. Penta for five, tuch for book. So the five books of, of Moses. And notice what Jesus says. They sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they have the authority to teach. And therefore, because they do have that authority... You bear the responsibility to observe and to do. That is, to listen to the teaching. You see, he wasn't undermining the Pharisees' authority. He, he wasn't doing that. And he certainly wasn't undermining the authority of the Torah. The Torah speaks of him. He said, you're to observe and you're to do. However, you're to act with, with pure motives. You are to respect, you are to love, you are to obey God's holy word and as it is taught. But he also said, but you're not to follow their example. Because they say and do not do. Authority, respect, the intent, not with hypocrisy. You are to obey God's word out of pure motive. God wants our heart. 
Because if he has our heart, then he has all of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Bible teaches, and the Lord taught us, as a person thinks in their heart, so is that person. Well, skip the little potion. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, taught the disciples that it was all theater. All theater. What do we mean by that? What the leaders did outwardly was all for show. All for show. You know, it's interesting, so interesting. That word hypocrisy comes to us from the Greek. And I've, I've shared this before, but it had to do with those who were actors. Because way back in ancient times, when an actor was in a play or a drama on the stage, they would have painted on a piece of, uh, of, of uh, a placard a face that depicted whatever emotion it was that they were supposed to be uh, showing on the stage. A hypocrites. You follow? A, a false face. And isn't it interesting? Boy, we really consider those who are able to present a false face. We make them millionaires and billionaires. And they live over in Beverly Hills. On the Sunset Strip. Hollywood. Oh, and they're known around the world. Oh, Ken had sent me another, another uh, email. And it said, hmm, isn't it interesting? A movie star dies, the whole world knows about it. One of our soldiers died in battle. You don't hear about it. You don't hear about their name. Oh, but you know who the movie star is. All their works they do to be seen by men. Arrogance, pride, self-centeredness, self-aggrandizement. Look at me. Look at me. I'm Holy Joe. Holy Joe Ruler. Sadly, even today in our churches, in many churches, extreme emotionalism. You've heard the term holy rollers, right? Now, I've shared this little story with, with some others. I once was at a church where it was more, um, I guess you would say, extreme on the, on the uh, charismatic side, okay? And uh, I was enjoying the music. The music was great. The music was fabulous. And I was sitting kind of in the middle of the, of the congregation there. And in front of me was this rather large woman. And on each side of her, there was a little child. And the pastor hadn't, you know, he was just kind of walking back and forth up there on the, on the platform. And these, uh, this trio was singing and leading the music. And all we were singing, it was, it was great. And then he, he, uh, he points out into the congregation, and this lady that's sitting right in front of me 
jumps up. She jumps up and she's, you know, she starts hollering and everything else. And I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm thinking and I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, now I, I don't want to judge. But I, I just don't believe that this is right. Because while she was jumping up and hollering, supposedly being slain in the spirit, they like to say, you know what she started doing? She, she started throwing her arms back, and every time she threw her arms back, her fist would hit these, the kids in the head, and their head would hit the back of the pew. And the kids started crying. Well, you know what? I didn't need to pray to know whether or not that was right or wrong. That is not worship. That is extreme emotionalism to be seen. So we're not to do that. All this jumping over the pews and falling down on the floor and all, no. I don't ever read one time that Jesus did that. But I'll tell you what I do read, that people who were filled with the devil or demons who were down there on the ground, Jesus healed them and then they became normal when he exercised that demon out of them. All their works they do to be seen by men because they're filled with pride and arrogance. Phylacteries. What in the world is a phylactery? Well, it's a, a leather box. And let me be careful here. Jesus was not criticizing the use of the phylacteries or the garments because that's actually in the Bible. They would take portions of the scripture, little portions, and they would put those strips into these phylacteries and with a leather strap wrapped around the, the left arm and onto the, to the hand and also on the forehead <coughs> and on their garments there were tassels and all of this is, is in the scripture what Jesus was, was condemning was ostentations, ostentatiousness on the part of these religious leaders because they were making them so fancy to attract attention to themselves. That's what he was condemning. Not the phylacteries and, and not the tassels because it's in scripture. Personal recognition, self-centeredness. We're moving on. Notice what Jesus says. He says, oh, the, the scholars, you know, they, they, they like to be applauded. They like to be recognized. They like that attention. He said, but you are all brethren. You are all brethren. You are all family. Call the one on earth your father. Now, I remember reading this as a little boy because I grew up in a, in a Catholic family. And I remember reading this as a little boy and thinking, well, why, why do we call the priest father? If the Bible says you're not supposed to call him father, 
You see, the priest wants you to believe that, that he's your spiritual father. He's not your spiritual father. He's a sinner like everyone else. And if he doesn't know Christ as Savior, even though he may wear that little collar, if he does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, if he doesn't accept him before he dies, guess where he's going? Just because a person wears a particular outfit does not make them a child of God. Does it make them saved? And any man that would allow himself to be worshipped or his feet kissed and all this other kind of stuff, what is that? That is idol worship. These people falling all over themselves and weeping and crying. Why? Because the Pope, a mere man, is coming to visit a particular country. And I make no apology for saying that. There is but one God and one God only. And he is to be worshipped. He is to be bowed down before. Amen. All the rest are mere men and women. Amen. We have but one true spiritual father. God our father, the creator of heaven and earth. He alone is our father. And Jesus put it this way. He taught the disciples to pray. Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yes, but the Bible also does teach, and we read that in the commandments, that we have biological fathers according to the flesh. And even there, we are to honor our father and our mother, the first commandment with, with fathers. And notice what he says. Don't worry about being called a teacher. Again, you're all brethren. Christ is your teacher. Jesus is our teacher. Over in Matthew 28, the last chapter, the Great Commission, he's the one. He said, go into all the world, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he told the disciples, he said, it is expedient for you that I go away. Why? So that when I go away, I will send the Comforter, God the Holy Spirit. He will come and he will indwell us and he will guide and he will lead and he will teach and he will make known all of these things that I've shared with you. God is our teacher. I didn't write the Bible. It's God's holy word, inspired by God the Holy Spirit. And it's God the Holy Spirit who enables us to understand it and to apply it accurately. Amen. And every Christian bears the responsibility of studying God's word to be able to tell the difference between that which is correct and that which is false. Amen. And it's not beyond anyone to make a mistake. We can make mistakes. You'd find it interesting if you rode home with me on Sunday afternoon. Because Cheryl said, but did you know? <laughs> and I won't mention Eden. <laughs> but you see, it's like the, the book of Proverbs says, right? One person sharpens another like steel sharpens steel. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, like sandpaper on wood. <laughs> but notice, 
We're called to be servants. Yeah. Servants. Yeah. There are a lot of folks who don't, they want nothing to do with that, that idea of being a servant. I'm nobody's servant. Because they're filled with pride. Arrogance. They actually think that they're more important than someone else. We're called to be servants. Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be the servant of all. Isn't that what he said? Amen. Amen. We're to be the servant of all. And then he went on and he said, to humble ourselves like a little child, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Humility is rewarded by God. Would you like to be rewarded by God? Have you ever stopped to consider the number of prayers that you have prayed in your lifetime? Only God knows the number. If you sit and think about it, and you think of all the prayers that you pray every day, all through your lifetime, and how God has answered all of those prayers. It is absolutely amazing. Incredible that the God of all creation would listen to us and hear our prayers and grant them and grant our prayers. Now, how long did we pray for a grand piano? Right? We, we pray for it for a, for a good long while. You, you heard us. We even, we even prayed out loud here. We pray for a grand piano. And over at Vista Park, we have one. God put it on Tom and Jill Sark to, to give it to the church. That's an answer to prayer. And I tell you, it's an amazing thing to be involved in answering a prayer. To be used by God to answer a prayer. And so as we bring this message to a close... Just a couple of passages here. What do we learn from these? Seeking personal recognition is born of pride. It's a sin. Proverbs says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then, our talk and our walk are to be consistent. And when I read this, I thought of something. Because I remember that he used to say this, and I was thinking of Mel. I don't know if you remember that, Mel. <laughs> but up there on the mountain so many years ago, he used to say, you got to walk the talk. You know, you got to walk the talk. You remember that, Mel? Yeah. And that's what Jesus says. You've got to walk the talk. Our talk and our walk are to be consistent. We're witnesses. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. 
respect for authority from pure motives. Not just for show, but we're to respect authority. This, this, uh, this idea that you, know, that you ought to be questioning authority, etc. Now, that's not to say that you should evaluate between right and wrong. You follow? We, we, have, we have the right, and not just the right, but the responsibility to do that. All these people you know, complaining about the United States of America, but the fact that we have a constitution that even makes it possible for our citizenry to question whether or not a law is in fact ethical is a gift that was given to us by God. But there are those who want to change that constitution. Let me tell you something. Those people who crafted that constitution and the Declaration of Independence were brilliant men. But guess what? They were sinners just like you. And people today want to judge them. They lived in a different time. But if you're perfect, go ahead and stand up. <laughs> if you have it all together and you're perfect, stand up. We'd like to meet you. <laughs> Shake your hand. Pat you on the back and tell you how wonderful you are. And the fact is, is that we all have something wrong with us. We all have issues. We all have things that, that God is working on in our lives. saying goes something like I'm not all that God wants me to be but thank God I'm not what I used to be God is still at work in each of our lives respect authority from pure motives obedience over in 1 Samuel the prophet Samuel speaking to this king at the time Saul Sacrifice. Hmm. Obedience is better than sacrifice, he said. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. We are to live by God's holy word. Not by the traditions of men. And lastly, cultivate a servant's heart attitude. Humility. Over in Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart, that is, watch your heart, guard your heart, with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The invitation is God's invitation to you. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today you can accept him as your Lord through a simple act of faith in prayer. Cry out to Him. Or maybe to follow in believer's baptism or to join the church. Whatever the decision is, you come, you walk down that aisle, you say, you folks still have people walk down the aisle? Yes. Yes, we have them walk down the aisle. You see, we're not supposed to have any closet Christians. So if all of these people can come out of the closet because they're confused about 
being a man or a woman or whatever the case might be, then you can walk down that aisle and make a commitment to Christ. And don't wait until the song is over and say, oh, well, it's too late. No. You come as soon as we begin to sing. So let's stand, please. The Savior, the Savior is waiting. You come to Christ now. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.